You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And if you are new to the show, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We are discussing the series in its entirety, which as of this recording is the first season. So if you have not seen the first season, please beware that there are spoilers ahead. And in this episode, we actually have our first guest contributors, Heather and Mackenzie. Woohoo! We're very excited to have guests. Woohoo! I'm going to double woohoo for that. Excellent. Say hello, Heather and Mackenzie. Introduce yourselves, please. Hello. Hi. That was Heather followed by Mackenzie, for the people <laughs> who are listening and can't see what's going on. For this episode, Heather wanted to talk about the moments and aspects of the show that got us hooked. So start us off, Heather. I had seen the show when it aired on BBC America um, when it first came out, and I saw the, the pilot episode. And to be honest, I wasn't too thrilled. Like, it looked interesting. <gasps> it looked interesting, really? but I didn't want to make that commitment because it just didn't hook me. But over the summer, Chris came to visit, and she had the DVDs. And after some mild peer pressuring, we watched, watched them again. Um, and I saw... The first episode again, and then um, episode two, and by episode three, um, quite frankly, I was hooked. And mostly it was, what didn't hook me in the first episode was just, I didn't have enough time to really get into the characterization um, and where the characters were maybe going. And by the third episode, I really appreciated the different stages in life that the different clones were in. And I think that was what really compelled me to, to keep watching the show. Um, so it was very, very much characterization and not so much plot by that point. And as the the season went along, um, they both started to complement each other pretty well, from my perspective anyway. I think that's fair. I agree with you that the, I guess the contrast between clones is part of what's so fascinating. As as we've talked about many, many times, I think the the exploration of identity within the show is is really fascinating. Right. I mean, at the very, at the very least, I could see maybe not the end of episode one, but maybe by the end of episode two, did that, did that help seeing like Allison and, and Kasima come, come into the play? Yeah. And, and I think that's what did it was, um, especially when Allison was introduced, it was kind of, I thought, well, this is all of a sudden more like CSI meets, Desperate Housewives or something. I mean, something kind of ridiculous that was really, really intriguing. And I'm really glad that I stuck with it after that. Especially when Allison started interacting with, especially like Sarah's life as pretend Sarah. Uh, that was pretty hilarious. And I liked that a lot. Thoughts, Mackenzie? I agree with Heather. Chris got me started when she was at our house this summer with a DVD. Chris is very persuasive. She is. Slash bossy, I know. Or maybe it's, I was going to say, slash persistent. And I think I already knew a little that it was about clones. I think someone spoiled that. But I I was just intrigued by the characters and who the clones were going to be and how they were interacting with each other's lives. It was interesting. And I like Allison a lot. I think she, the episode where she ties up Donnie, I think, was my favorite episode. Episode six, yes. yes. I think that's many people's favorite episode. I suspect. I don't actually know, but I think I actually know the name of that episode. Variations under domestication. That is correct. That is Aha. that is the one episode name that I always remember. Mm-hmm. 
They have tricky episode titles on this show. I have trouble remembering them. Yeah, well, anybody who's not super familiar with Darwin could pretty easily get uh, get a little lost there, I guess. Anyway, um, personally, I think it was the end of episode three, for, for me, was really what got me. I was, I think the first episode I'd watched was episode two, and I found it intriguing, but I was, I was so lost because I hadn't seen the first episode that I wasn't entirely sure, you know, how we'd gotten to that point. So I had to rewatch, you know, from the first episode and I liked it, but I kind of, I, I wasn't really, really deeply invested at that point. I was more intrigued than invested. And then at the end of episode three, Helena shows up and it's one of those, it's a pretty commonly used plot point. You know, the, oh, obviously it's going to be another clone. That's not a huge reveal, but somehow it's still completely shocking when she shows up. And I don't know how they pulled that off, (laughs) but, and this might just be me, but I, I was still kind of, I kind of had a holy crap moment when, when it was Helena that that showed up out of nowhere. So I think the really the first three episodes of the show are really, really crucial to getting people hooked into it, because they just build this momentum with the end of episode one, end of episode two, end of episode three, where you just for me personally, I was like, okay, I gotta at least see how these first little bits of of tidbits of little information that we're getting plays out. And And I guess if you want to talk about really hooked, I guess where I got really hooked into the show was actually, I think it's in the beginning of episode four, where we see Helena in the bathroom performing surgery on herself. And we see all of her, her beautiful wings that she has cut into her back. That was just such a revealing character moment for her. And she was a character really unlike clearly sort of outside the box, you know, not a usual character that you often see on television shows in a, in a significant way. They're often around for like one episode and then the detectives find them and they're gone. So I, that was, I guess, really where I got hooked. But I do think that the, the way that the writers set up the first three episodes with sort of these little cliffhanger endings were very, very important at hooking people into the show, like at least getting them interested and intrigued and watching. I I do agree. I think that, um, that moment, especially with Helena, and really Helena in general, is sort of a, a bold move on the creator's parts. Yes, absolutely. And and like I said, I feel like we don't often see characters like her become as main and, you know, important, intricate characters as Helena is. They're often a lot more flat characters, right. that, that type of character on television shows. So I really liked that it seemed like we were going to see a more, a more multifaceted portrayal of that type of person. And I think too, and this all speaks to um, probably Tatiana Maslany's acting as well, because I did find Helena really intriguing as far as all the things that she did, but didn't necessarily say. Um, Cause it seems like, you know, like Sarah and, and Allison could really get their characters across a lot by kind of their, their dialogue. Um, but you know, when Helena is sitting in the cafe, you know, kind of chewing on a spoon, she doesn't seem too concerned that, you know, Sarah's threatening her from across the booth, and that was pretty well done. And, I mean, especially since Tatiana was acting with herself, or when she uh, shows up at the office and takes pictures of herself and eats half the muffin. I think that was a really nice kind of change of pace for the show without, again, a lot of dialogue to to coax things along. Um, So I do 
I think as the show went along, I was really appreciating all of the different roles Tatiana got to play and the characters and the clones to set them apart through the different aspects of acting, not just with dialogue and how they interact with other people, but how they interact with their surroundings. Yeah, Tatiana Maslany is obviously a huge part of why this show works because because like you said you can you can put an actor in different wigs they can have sort of different styles of dialogue but i think where tatiana really brings it to a next level is that she just has completely different physicality in all of these these different roles and like like you said for helena her physicality is a huge part of how we learn about her as a person she doesn't have as much dialogue as some of the other characters do but Tatiana really brings a lot to the to that character and really all the characters through her physical presence and what she brings into that character with through her body and her movement. I think all of the people who started watching after it aired, I I suspect that that's sort of a a major draw for people watching now is to see what it is that everybody's been talking about, been raving about all all summer and into the winter now, you know. And I'm so glad that she finally got a, a nod for her performance with the, the Golden Globe nomination. I know that a lot of people were really upset that she didn't get an acknowledgement with an Emmy nomination earlier this year. Yeah, that just seemed wrong. Well, I think since you were talking about Helena, she is one of those characters that you really want to hate, but she somehow can't because she just kind of seems so sad underneath it all. Her craziness. I think I think I like Allison maybe the best, just because she seems so unpredictable and just crazy. And we're back yeah. to episode six. <laughs> All that and just like everything after that, we're smoking and the van and the garbage disposal. Yes. I'm trying to remember what episode does she do that in? Is that episode eight where she beats up Ainsley and kind of goes off? Uh, yes. Bingy. Well, yeah. yeah, She starts off with smoking the joint with Chad and then. Right. And and having sex with Chad in the van. Yeah. Right. That's all episode eight. Yeah. That's what I thought. Allison has a great, a great character arc. She really does. And I, I know she's, she's a real fan favorite. A lot of people seem to really, I don't know if they relate to Allison, but they really like appreciate Allison's struggles. Because I think of of all the clones, she really seems to have the most issues with finding out she's a clone and sort of what that means for her identity. Right. Well, again, I think Allison is sort of representative in some ways of what we perceive as normality. Right. So, yeah, there's the extra opportunity for for madness there, I guess. Well, no, I think she, I mean, she really finds comfort in... I mean, domesticity and, and all things, quote unquote, like Chris said, no, normal. Um, so when everything is kind of going crazy around her, all she wants to do is go to her, her house where she can control the space or so she thinks and, you know, find comfort in, in the everyday things or kind of the, the things that she can read about in a magazine and, and apply to her own life. Um, even though by the end of episode eight, the audience knows that all of that is kind of just a fabrication of, other people trying to essentially let her play house. So I think that that that's a pretty compelling plot point. I think to really go into season two is to see, you know, what's she going to do when she finds out that things are really, as much as she pretends that they're normal, they're, 
they're still not normal. Which is what has hooked Heather for season two, apparently. Apparently it has. <laughs> we got started about, or talking about this over the summer, maybe, was Chris trying to get somebody else, whom shall remain nameless, uh, to watch the show. And starting out with episode six, I think, because it was maybe more potentially accessible to somebody who's never seen it before as a funny episode. That's um, not what happened, but okay. I thought that's... No? <laughs> He saw the first, saw the sixth episode, but not. I, it wasn't my design to show him that first. Oh, well, it would be a logical jump <laughs> to say, "Oh, here's a pretty funny episode. Let me get you a little interested with just one episode." Or you know, if you have eight episodes to choose from, and you want to use one episode to to hook somebody. Sixth one is plus is just fun to rewatch again. But anyway, sure, rewatching. I I enjoy rewatching episode six. Yeah, but but it didn't do the trick. And so, <laughs> going back and watching one, two, and three, I think that was a promise, right? Just watch the first three episodes. I, I don't know that I made him promise to do it, but I certainly tried to get him to do it. Yeah. And it was the end of episode three is what finally got him, so. Well, he was, he was talking to me about it later, and he said, <laughs> well, she'd been pressuring me, and I said, finally I gave in. I said, <laughs> okay, watch, well, we'll watch the first episode, and he thinks, well... It was good, but I just didn't didn't really get me. So I said, well, maybe maybe we'll just watch one more. He said, well, by the end of that episode, too, I could see what she was talking about. And I probably probably did a good job. And so, you know, for, for, for that, it was definitely the first two episodes to really see the characters before and after. Not before and after, but kind of see what the characters were, were like. And then see how their variations of themselves really made for good comedy by the sixth episode. Right. He he had said that later that, you know, watching the sixth episode first, he he was just lost and he fell asleep partway through it. He just, he was not interested, clearly. But then having seen them in order, he uh, he said he appreciated the humor derived from the characters. Because, yeah, all that stuff isn't necessarily funny if you aren't familiar with them. Right. It, it, Orphan Black is really not a show you can just jump into the middle of. It, it it builds too much on itself, even though episode six is a fairly standalone episode plot-wise. It doesn't really begin off of a cliffhanger or something like that. But if you don't know Allison, if you don't know Sarah, you you don't really get the humor of having one of them try to be the other one and, and things like that. So you, you lose a lot of sort of the depth and the, the richness of that episode if you don't have interactions with the characters beforehand. Right. Don't have context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very serialized show. Right. Or know that, you know, when back in, in episode three, Sarah smacked the hell out of Allison. That's significant that at this point, Sarah's jumping in to, to help Allison and, like, defending her to Donnie. You know, you don't get that, that that moment's really significant in their relationship if you don't know their history. Right. I guess what, because it sounds like several people hadn't been hooked by the end of episode one, and I guess what I found really intriguing by the end of episode one was the fact that that Kasha gets shot. That sort of took it up to a new level for me. Like, not only are there clones, but there is something out there larger than them that's targeting them. And that really intrigued me. Like, okay, this isn't just about people discovering that they are identical clones. It's going to be about something bigger than just that. And that just sort of really 
got my mind to to turning and considering all the possibilities of what they could say about organizations that might be involved with cloning that might be against cloning. So that really interested me, I guess, and why episode one, I think, is a is a pretty good gotcha episode. Right. I have actually heard from a number of people that, you know, the first episode did get them. So I guess I guess we're the weirdos who weren't necessarily super invested by the end of the first episode. I again, it's one of those things that was interesting enough that I wanted to keep watching it, but it wasn't wasn't until later that I was really deeply invested in the show. And it it was kind of funny because I I basically got more and more deeply this is awkwardly phrased, I sort of increasingly became a fan of the show, if that makes sense. I I got crazier and crazier about it as it kept going, such that, yeah, it was by episode six where my enthusiasm finally got to my dad that he wanted to watch it, which, of course, not the best episode to start with. But anyway. Um, I think maybe what I didn't like about the pilot or the first episode that turned me off was by the end, I just felt really exhausted and that outweighed the intrigue, like how much I was intrigued because I, I did appreciate the kind of that sense of there's something larger going on as the series went on and more people kind of on the ground level, like the clones were really interacting with each other and trying to figure it out together. But by the end of the first episode, I mean, all of these things that happened to Sarah after she picked up that purse and, and took the identity, um, you know, she she has a fake funeral. She um, sees her daughter there. So it's, you know, just something else that she has to kind of worry about. And then there's somebody obviously trying to kill them. And then she can't just take the money and go when she takes Sarah's identity. So then she, you know, finds herself in another predicament after another predicament after another predicament. And by the end, especially in the car, I was just like, uh, this seems like a really exhausting show. I just can't <laughs> deal with this right now. But then going on to see, you know, the, the second and third episodes, I mean, there's still a lot going on, but it seems it becomes much more intriguing, I think, especially between the different clones and the different characters than exhausting, even though there's still a lot going on. But that trade-off was what hooked me. I think that's what hooked me, was that trade-off where it got less or more interesting and less exhausting. So basically, the first episode for you was kind of like watching Apollo 13. Stuff just keeps going wrong. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And I can get that. This is definitely, it's a very plot-driven show. It's a very intricately plotted show. But the season is definitely front-loaded. There's a lot of stuff that goes down in the first three episodes. And I can see where, especially if you... And I'm one of these people who I really watch television shows primarily for the characters. I want a good plot. I want to be entertained. But primarily, I want to see really fascinating, you know, characters with a lot of depth. And if you're that type of person, I could see where the first three, first episode in particular, even the first three episodes might be kind of like, oh, my gosh, there's so much going on here. (laughs) So you saw this after it was on DVD, right? Or did you watch it on TV? No, I watched it on DVD. So do you think that makes a difference? Like if you would have seen from the beginning week, you know, a week separating each episode, would you have been hooked as quickly or do you think it helped to binge all at once? 
I think it did help to binge all at once. I think I still would have been hooked by the first episode. But I think definitely if you can answer that question of, oh, my gosh, why did this woman just get shot immediately? Definitely. I think that helps you helps you get hooked on the show more quickly. How much you, Chris? Oh, I watch them week to week. And I, I think maybe that's why. But didn't you see the first couple of episodes back to back because you watched them on well, a repeat? I, I watched the second episode I forget if it was one of the repeats of the second episode or if it was the first viewing of the second episode. But then I think I think you what you told me originally is that you saw the first airing of the second episode, were completely confused, and then you caught the repeat of the first and second episode before the third episode aired. Yes, I believe is, that is correct. Okay. And it it wasn't a bad way to watch it cuz again, the I mean, watching the second episode first was not a great idea. But again, it's intriguing enough that you want to keep going with it. You want to find out what it was that you missed. So so yeah, watching the first three back-to-back certainly kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And then it got progressively blown week by week. But anyway. That makes sense. And maybe <laughs> maybe that was my problem with the pilot, because I did see it on TV. And I remember thinking, right. if I'm going to have to be this like worked up about it or, you know, it's going to be in my mind for the next week after week after week. I think that's why I didn't want to deal with it was because like, if I can just binge on it for a weekend that I can process all of it at once and not draw it out. Like, cause I can remember, you know, I watched lost when it was on TV week after week after week. That was a pretty big commitment uh, for five years. But then mm-hmm. I binged on fringe and I was like, okay, I like this much better when I can watch them back-to-back than trying to watch it on TV week after week, because I gave up on that after the first season. (laughs) I think definitely the first three episodes work better if you can watch them back-to-back-to-back, first four, really first three, because I watched the first three episodes, and then I was like, okay, this is about to get even crazier, I have to go to bed. So (laughs) I went to bed, and then the next day I watched the rest of of the first season. And so I think definitely watching those first three is really beneficial, to the viewing experience, for sure. I think it's less crucial for the rest of the season, but I, it would have been ideal, I think, if people could have seen the first three episodes back to back to back. So they could have done like a, a pilot movie or a special. Yeah. You know, or like, uh, the, uh, yeah, or even if they had done it, even if they weren't, you know, re- played right back to each other, I think it would have been great if they could have done it like three nights in a row or something like that, because they will sometimes do that for the start of a new show. Like they did with Almost Human. They they showed like two episodes, two nights consecutively. And I think that might have been a good idea. Yeah, especially with so much crucial information right away to people that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a new show to everybody on the first episode. Um, that might have been nice. Slow it down a little. Yeah, it seems like BBC America did that with Luther, the the last season of Luther, they aired, I think, all four episodes on consecutive nights, which I thought was weird. So BBC America, if you're listening, we have a we have some advice for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about acting and sort of Tatiana Maslany's performance. But I think also another big hook for me for the show, acting wise and just character wise, was Felix and and Jordan Gavaris and that character. He's a rather rather interesting and entertaining character. Well, he's definitely I we we've talked about how Sarah especially in the beginning is a is a is an anti-hero. 
And so I think Felix, even though, you know, he's clearly got some, some anti-hero elements about him as well, but he's, I think, a, a more immediately likable character than Sarah is. You're like, personally, I like, I like Sarah, but I was like intrigued by Sarah, but I immediately liked Felix. I'm like, okay, this is somebody I can like and hold on to. And he really is kind of the audience vehicle in a lot of scenes. And he's very, very personable and accessible. And, and I think he's a, he was just a really excellent addition to, Particularly in the beginning when we're meeting Sarah, I'm glad that we had Felix along for the ride as well. Right. Well, I think a lot of the first episode, his his part is kind of to ask Sarah what the hell she thinks she's doing. So, right. So, yes, very much sort of an audience perspective there. I think he brings a lot of more normal to the show because he's not a clone. So he's kind of the go-to guy when someone's in trouble, it seems like. Yep. A little bit of an... A more objective perspective, I guess, on the clone situation, since he's not actually in the clone situation, exactly. But still a good, funny character, you know, very unique character on his own, which is nice. And we, I think we got a sense pretty quickly that he wouldn't just be sort of Sarah's sidekick. I liked that he, in the first episode, had some had a, several scenes where Sarah wasn't even in them. So I, I liked the aspect of that, too, that he wasn't just going to be there to be the, you know, the gay best friend sidekick and not really have a, a role of his own on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun or unique that all of these characters, once Sarah meets them, then the audience can see them kind of without Sarah on their own. Um, but until she meets them, you really don't even know that they exist. Like, you know, Helena. I mean, once we once she interacts with Sarah, then we get to see her on our own, with the wings, um, without Sarah. So I think that's kind of an interesting way to to go about introducing characters, more or less. Um, and, and especially now that Sarah meets the office clone at the end of the eighth episode, I'm interested to see if we get to see her behind the scenes. And the tenth of a, episode. What? Tenth episode. There's ten episodes? Yes. Man. And the last episode of the season... Uh, so maybe we, like, that was the doorway into kind of the clone corporate world. Or, you know, now that Sarah's met her as an audience, we'll be able to see her, her daily life, even though Sarah's not there. I mean, you're right. I don't know that I necessarily thought about it actively, but yeah, I think all the character introductions are through Sarah's perspective. And then, then we are, basically we're introduced to people through Sarah but then we're not limited to Sarah's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about it, but but it's true. Yeah, she's she's definitely even though it's a very large cast, she's definitely the central driving figure of the story. So yeah, we have to first meet, see her encounter these these characters, and then they can go and have their own little separate plots and stuff. So have you like we're pretty aware of all of the people Chris has recruited to watch the show? How about you? Coerced like, pressure? Yeah. <laughs> Hmm? Say that again, Stephanie. Oh, I was, oh, I was saying, you know, re- recruited is a nice way to say it. More like coerced or or bullied. <laughs> Peer pressure, yeah. Peer pressured. So, have you like have you had success <clears throat> recruiting people to watch the show, or kind of what's the elevator speech that you give them when you're like, hey, you need to watch the show because? Well, I don't know that I really have. I've my my partner watched it. So I at least got one person to watch it. But 
I have talked to two or three other people about it, and while they've seemed immediately interested after I've told them about it, basically, I, 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 depending on who I'm talking to, I generally say, you know, it's about clones. I'm, I, it's not really a spoiler at this point since it says it on the DVD box. So it's about clones. <laughs> um, and I, I basically give a spiel about how it's talking about, you know, yes, it's science fiction and exploring sort of the clone science in a way, but it's mostly about identity and, and what it means to be a person and what makes us different from each other. And that my friends tend to really dig on stuff like that. So that really seems to sell people. But then what gets them to not watch is they go to Netflix and they're like, oh, it's not here. Okay. So I think that's my hurdle. So I need Netflix's help because <laughs> I don't know the DVDs to loan them. <laughs> which is why I had to wait for the DVD set, which has made the rounds to like, I don't know, six people or something at this point. So, so yeah, that's my sticking point. So I need to get at least one set of the DVDs so I can loan them to people and say, here, watch it. It's really good. I promise. So we would love to hear your thoughts. What got you hooked on Orphan Black? Or were you hooked when you just heard the word clones? We would love to hear your thoughts. You can leave us a comment on this episode over at TatianaIsEveryone.com. You can send us an email to feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com. Or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. And that wraps up our episode on things that got us hooked on Orphan Black. Thank you to Heather and Mackenzie for joining us this week. Uh, yay for guest contributors again. Woohoo. Woohoo. I think we've mentioned before, but just to say again, we would love to have topic suggestions or if you're, you would be interested in being a guest contributor on the show, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us in any of those ways I just mentioned. And with the closing song, Chris will be singing us out with Who Likes Serenade? <laughs> Lyrics by Chris Kwan. Hummed by Heather and Mackenzie. And good night. <laughs> <laughs>